0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to LAG Radio on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My name is Marmar the Midboss, and today I present to you one of the most accomplished musicians I have ever had the joy to talk with. He is an Emmy and BAFTA Award winner and has crafted the soundtracks to some of the most iconic franchises in media history, spanning television, movies, and video games. We're talking Battlestar Galactica, The Walking Dead, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Outlander, the new God of War title and his upcoming work is featured in Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and Child's Play. Welcome to the show, Bear McCreary.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on.
0: Now to begin, I really just want to dive in and get into the nitty-gritty of the composition. So my first question is, having worked in so many different media industries and fields, is there a way that you approach composing a film soundtrack that is different from how you compose a video game or a TV score?
1: That's a really great question, Um, and uh, I think the short answer is, is no, there actually isn't. Uh, the, the approach is always the same. Um, the, sometimes the technique, the, the technicalities, the implementation, those can be different. But for me, the approach is always the same. It's story and character. That's all that matters to me. That's all that I need um, to be able to write music that I hope will resonate with an audience. So whether that story is unfolding over two hours and it's Godzilla, King of the Monsters, or it's unfolding over 80 hours and it's years of Battlestar Galactica, um, or 20 hours and it's God of War, I I, I like to think of it in that same way. I think about what the character needs, what the story needs, what the emotions are. I mean, really, if you boil it down, what is the emotion? And um, in that regard, uh, they are all the same to me. It is writing music for a story that is meant to trigger an emotional response within the, the audience experiencing that story.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, one of the follow-up questions I was thinking of was, how would you approach, say, a silent film that has you know, less dialogue and less means of, of communicating the emotion in the story, or just a more difficult way of communicating? And I was wondering how you would approach a project like that, for example.
1: Well, it, you know, uh, I don't know. I have never scored a silent film, um, but if you look at the first five minutes or so of um, a movie called 10 Cloverfield Lane that I did with J.J. Uh, J. Abrams. Right. It is a silent film. <laughs> There's no dialogue. Uh, it's a compelling story about a woman going through some emotional turmoil. We think... A breakup, maybe? It, it's not even clear at that time, nor does it matter. What matters is the emotion and the scale of the music. And it had a big kind of um, Hitchcockian sense of a thriller. It's mysterious. It's big. It's a woman going on a journey. Um, and and in that regard, it, it was a little bit like the silent movie experience, where the music and the images are, are 100% of your experience. There's no dialogue in that case, there wasn't even any context. I mean, the movie opens with this. So I think it was, it was an amazing experience, and it was a testament to how much space in the narrative experience, in the mix, in your memory, music can occupy when you, as a filmmaker, leave room for it, um, which the director, Dan Trackenberg and um, producer J.J. Abrams did. So that was an amazing experience. Pretty rare pretty rare one in uh, cinema these days. So I don't know if I'll ever score a fully silent film, but I imagine I would approach it in a similar way.
0: Got it. Yeah, you talked about kind of making a memorable experience. I think one of the most distinguishing factors of some of your best work is that you've got such strong motifs. So for example, in your soundtrack to uh, God of War recently, you use this three-note motif to signal Kratos, the main character's presence. What is your process for coming up with such memorable themes?
1: Oh, that's a good question. To me, themes are everything. I mean, the theme is the most important part of a score. It's the reason it is memorable. It's the reason it exists. It's the reason I love the music that I love. Uh, I grew up on somatic film music. Um, and uh, it's just always been my dream to write a piece of music that somebody sees in a movie and then remembers the next day or catches themselves singing in the shower a week later. I mean, that to me is the essence of the art form. Um, how to go about doing that. I mean that's a wonderful goal, right? Sure. How do you actually do that? Uh, it, it's very hard to articulate and, and, and it's hard to explain. Um, but in the case of God of War, um, it was an exploratory process working with the director and, um, Corey Barlog, and the other uh, team members at Sony PlayStation. And I gave them a lot of ideas. And um, as I was sketching the theme for God of War, those opening three notes were the final thing that I thought of. Um, and I sort of threw them in at the last minute, um, thinking, oh, I, I don't really have an intro here. How, how, do, how do we get into this? Hmm. And they really responded to it. I, I, I felt pretty good about it. I was excited, but they really gave me that positive reinforcement. When they heard it, they, they said, oh, that opening thing's amazing. Can we do more with that? Can we use it in more places? And I thought, oh, wow, okay, great. That's, that's a great idea. So sometimes you need an outside voice, an outside perspective to sort of illuminate for you what is really resonating with people to get you outside of your head for that outside perspective
0: fantastic yeah when i first heard the soundtrack to that game and i heard that that three note motif i was thinking this reminds me a lot of beethoven's fifth and you know those four notes that basically (laughs) everyone knows right the bum 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 so I think. yeah man i mean (laughs) like
1: let's not let's not get too lofty in our comparisons like i appreciate that a lot Uh, (laughs) that is to me like the the greatest orchestral motif ever conceived um but yes like I'm blushing that you would even say that, but yeah, I totally get the idea what you're what you're alluding to because also it's the way that the score introduces it so strongly mm. in the Bates instruments in a loud dynamic, and it just proclaims this is the theme. And and to me that also reflected on I mean, getting back to my first thing I said, character and story. I didn't do that because I thought it'd be fun. I did it because the character Kratos in God of War is this ultra-masculine, powerful character who's also filled with regret and sadness in his older age. So there's already so many layers to the character onion here that I can start peeling back. I wanted to reflect his masculinity and his power, his regret his inability to express his emotions, that's a big story arc. Mm. And just embedded in that opening, bum, 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 the way it repeats, there's a sense of power and a sense of melancholy and longing in there. Um, And so I, I really feel like I did stumble into some very simple notes, and especially the deep male vocals. They were singing like almost a full octave lower than I'm capable of singing. You know, that, that communicated a lot about what the game was going to be about. And I, so I've been thrilled that it's resonated with so many players around the world uh, over the last year.
0: Most certainly. Well, let's talk about something else that's big and epic on a, on a totally different type of scale. Let's talk monsters here. So Godzilla is a 70-year legacy. You are the newest composer to be added onto that lengthy history. How did you feel personally when you were approached to craft the soundtrack to King of the Monsters?
1: Well, the first thing I thought is, is a variation of exactly what you just said. I mean, I, I felt tremendously honored and excited um, because I think of Godzilla as arguably cinema's longest-lasting musical legacy. When you ask the average film buff, say, film music that has a legacy, I, I, I think people will go to Star Wars people go to James Bond, Godzilla predates them. And it has been in continuous usage in the Japanese films, with some ebb and flow, some variation, for decades. And so the first thing I thought is, I I want to do something to honor that legacy. Um, It deserves to be in a Godzilla film the same way the James Bond theme deserves to be in even a modern reinterpretation of James Bond. And somehow, we're on our third big-budget American film that, and this one is the first time that uh, this modern American film has gone back to the some of the Japanese musical material. Um, so, so, you know, I, I, the first thing I thought when I got hired, my goal going into it was twofold. I, I wanted to embrace the old Japanese themes. I wanted, you know, the, like, spirit of Akira Ifukube to feel like I and we as the modern filmmakers and even we as the modern audience are grateful to him and are embracing what he did Um, because he is a huge part of the reason that Godzilla exists as a cinematic legacy. And I wanted to put it through my own lens. I wanted to have a score that sounds the way I would like a big blockbuster to sound. I wanted it to be personal to me. So that was my goal going in. And I, I feel like I got there. You know, I feel like you, you can hear the influence that, that Isa Kube and the other composers
0: that I'm referencing
1: bring. And I feel like you can, you can hear that it's me. And, and I'm very proud of that. I'm excited about that.
0: Definitely. So when you were trying to put it through your own lens, did you yourself watch a bunch of the older Godzilla movies to kind of do research or were you trying to go for a little more of a, of a blind approach while also keeping in mind that original theme?
1: Oh, I definitely went back and rewatched a bunch of the old ones. Um, I, 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 uh, my director, Michael Doherty, I, I think of as, uh, as a priest in the religion of Godzilla. Okay. (laughs) Like this guy knows the franchise so to go in blind would be a huge disservice to the creative uh, process, um, and i would seen a bunch of them uh, as a kid. Uh, and I, before writing it, I, I rewatched maybe half, maybe a little more than half. Um, definitely, like rekindled that memory of of, of all that great music. Um, but like I said, it, it like I do when I research anything, when I research. Pe- uh, Tycho drums for Battlestar Galactica um, it, I, I do the research I learn the musical language and then I extract from it the things that I think the drama needs and, and I try to make it my own um, to put it another way this, uh, despite me talking about you know, how much I love and respect those old scores it was not our intention to make a throwback score to make a retro score this is not a wink to the audience. I, I've seen a lot of um, franchises get rebooted where the old themes are saved for the end credits with like a little wink and a nudge. Like, hey, there it is. It's kitschy and fun. <laughs> That's not what we did. I mean, I did not want this to be a cameo of the old themes. They're the themes. And I did with them what I would do with my own themes. And and when those characters appear I use them and I'm proud of them and I'm proud for them to be there and I want them to sound modern and the end goal is if you know those old themes there's a whole level of musical experience for you that's heightened. you're on a whole other wavelength than a typical viewer but and this is the most important goal if you don't know those old themes it's just going to sound like a blockbuster in 2019 do you know what I mean like you're not going to feel like it's old retro music there. You're 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 you're, you're going to feel like you're having an integrated experience on a modern blockbuster. So that was the goal. And you tell me when you see the movie if I made
0: it. Yeah, I'm super hyped. I've, all of the trailers and everything, I, I know every time that they would show it in the the theaters, even approaching some of the other big blockbuster movies that have come out recently, everyone always is just astounded by the scope and the scale and the sounds and everything in, in this Godzilla movie is going to be something very special, I think, and it's going to be in, in large part because of your soundtrack. So.
1: Well, I appreciate that. And I I do think that, uh, you know, when I saw it, the thing that I thought, the first thought, the, the thing that I thought is for fans of the Japanese Godzilla films, whatever era your favorite is, we all wonder what would it really be like if an American budgeted, big film, a studio movie, were to get as close as they could to the true spirit of the Japanese franchise. And thanks to the tee-up that we got from the 2014 film that warmed up American audiences to Godzilla as a hero, to Godzilla as a character to be taken seriously, to Godzilla in our world, Michael Dougherty was able to take that idea and run with it in such a way that I think this is the one. This is the one you've been waiting for. If you wanted to see what these characters look like and what an American interpretation that had a a director that loved these old films at the helm, what that would look like, this summer's for you.
0: Oh, I'm so hyped. Oh, jeez. Okay, I do have to touch on something really, really important, though. There's this fascinating piece that's going to be on the soundtrack. You kind of mentioned a little bit about the throwback thing, and and this is, in a sense, a little bit of that, right? It's There's a cover of a Blue Oyster Cult song on the upcoming soundtrack, and it's your collaboration with Surge from System of a Down, and it's yeah. got this kind of bombastic unapologetic fan feel for a lot of the longtime Godzilla followers. And if I'm not mistaken, you also reunited with Brendan Small and his Death Clock crew as well on this. So You ha-
1: are not mistaken.
0: Fantastic. <laughs> How did this Dream Team collaboration come together? Because this is just beyond my scope, just beyond what my mind can comprehend. It's so cool.
1: Oh, dude, that's so cool. Um, well, to me, like you asked me, like, oh, what did you think when you were hired? And I don't even remember what I said. The truth, the true, truth. When I was hired, I mean within 60 seconds of finding out I'm going to be the composer for Godzilla, King of the Monsters, the first thing I thought was, I'm going to do my own arrangement of my favorite Blue Oyster Cult song, Godzilla, and then I thought for five more seconds and I go, I want to get my friends in Death Clock to play it, and I thought for five more seconds and I thought, I want to get my friend Serge Tonkin to sing it. Like, That was literally the first thing I thought. And a year later, when I had finished the entire score and, uh, or was nearly done, we were in the death throes of the final cues getting approved, um, I called all those guys together without even telling Michael Doherty, the director. I didn't tell Legendary. I didn't tell Warner Brothers. I just got Sarge and Brendan and a few guys together and said, let's record a thing. I got this idea. Let's just do it and show it to them. Because if I ask them, they're going to say no, like it's, it's too much to think about or they'll get, they'll bring in some producer to do it. Let's just, let's just take a stab at it. And, uh, and, uh, I'll tell you a funny story. So we finished the final cue review. We're on a big stage at Warner brothers and we've been listening to my mock-ups of cues and, uh, all the producers and Michael are getting ready to leave. And I said, hang on guys, hang on. I got one more thing I want to play you. And, uh, it's just an idea I got an idea for the end credits. Just check it out. And they went, okay. We had no discussions about this. So I hit spacebar, and the cursor starts moving. And there's like a two-second dead air spot before the Tycho chanting guys come in. And uh, Michael Dougherty, the director, turns and he looks me dead in the eye, and he says, Blue Oyster Cult? Like he knew. Like, I, I don't know how he knew. But, like, his brain was probably racing, like, what could Bear possibly surprise me with that he would be so happy about? And then, sure enough, the typo chanting guys kick in, Death Clock kick, kicks in, Serge comes in. And that was the track. I mean, that was, um, that was the demo that was shockingly close to what you heard in the final film, what you will hear
0: beautiful i again it still kind of blows my mind that it's that it came together and it sounds like it, because they're already your friends it kind of was it was easy in a sense but it was also difficult because of course they're such busy people and i know they've got a lot of projects too so it's, it's... well
1: I, I for sure i mean but truly they're all i mean i i know them socially and i've worked together with um, Brandon small a lot but it was also just the the idea i mean everybody loves that blue oyster cult song Everybody, all of them, love Godzilla. And the idea of, of bringing that sort of prog rock song into a big studio movie and especially giving it the spin on it that I had, which was sort of like heavy metal meets new metal meets taiko drums meets orchestra. It's the, I mean, it's, it's insane. Like I'm amazed that they in the movie just because like, I mean, you mentioned like fan service but it, it really wasn't that at all. It was just, I wanted to make the most awesome thing I could imagine and just kind of like throw it out there. Like I, oh, you're probably not going to use this, but whatever. And, and sure enough, everyone at legendary Warner brothers, Michael, everybody fell in love with it. All the pieces fell in place and you know, it's featured prominently in the movie. It, it, it's got a great spot. And, uh, Even um, the guy who wrote it, Buck Dharma, my, like, hero. I mean, I loved this guy's music in high school. He called me after the the track came out uh, last week. And I've been talking with him, and he loved what we did with it. I just think that there's a a reverence for the material that is so clear in Serge's voice and in what I did and in the way Warner's Legendary put it forward and, you know, I've, I've heard ho is happy with what I've done with the themes. And it just makes me feel good that, like, these people that were responsible for this music that I have loved, the old themes, the Godzilla theme, like they, they are responding to what I've done with it. And the fans are responding. And I truly can't wait for fans to hear what the score really sounds like. I mean, they've heard a track uh, one song and one cue and I am I'm, I'm excited about it I mean I, I I am a fan myself and I think the music has been treated um with a tremendous amount of love and care so I hope that that comes through
0: I'm very, very certain that it will be. Yeah, all of the, all of the love and, and everything that I kind of felt when I was listening to that song, the, the taiko drums that you mentioned, that, the call-outs from the players, I imagine, the Soria Soria, that's kind of just traditional Japanese yeah. style, that it's just, yeah, it's a very, very compelling track. Well, and
1: uh, and we, didn't even, we didn't even touch on that, I mean, which I'll briefly mention, the, the love letter not only to the old Valpino movies, but to Japan as, as the culture that birthed this cinematic franchise. No other culture could have done it, um, especially the, the roots of the first film. I, I really wanted the score to have a Japanese component, and it, and it has several, actually, uh, between the um, taiko drummers and their vocalizations, the, the traditional kakagoa that are sort of um, the vocals that they use during taiko performances. Mm-hmm. I have Buddhist monks chanting uh, for Ghidorah's theme. It's it's um it, it was very important to me that, that that come through. And again, that it feel integrated into the score, not feel like a an homage, that it it's just it's part of the DNA of, of that character, so it had to be in the score.
0: Right, definitely. It makes sense. It's yeah, it's not just this throwback homage sort of thing, but it, it makes sense to people who have not seen Godzilla films and it still feels so awesome. So uh, thank you so much for for so much forethought into bringing into the Japanese culture, not just the Godzilla references, but the Japanese references as well. Cool. Now, yeah, it, well, I hope you like it. Uh, <laughs> definitely. Is that, are there any last words that you've got for us? Any messages you want to share to everyone? There's so many things I wanted to touch on, and so many other projects that you worked on that I am very, very much in love with. But uh, I know you're a very busy well, let man. Me give
1: so. a, let me give a let me give a couple quick shout outs to other things that you, you guys might dig. Um, I. I think you mentioned Child's Play in the opening. Um, There's some really cool stuff happening in this Child's Play remake, and uh, my score for that is the opposite of Godzilla. Every way that Godzilla is epic and soaring and monstrous and gigantic and lyrical, Child's Play is broken, quirky, weird, bizarre. I I assembled what I called the toy orchestra, and I recorded 99% of the score myself, playing Fisher-Price toys, accordions, hurdy-gurdy. Uh, I sang on it. It's super weird, man. I mean, it's just, to me, it's the fun of having them both in theaters at the same time is like they're almost polar opposite scores. Um, and uh, and then check out, I got a movie coming to Netflix uh, really soon called Rim of the World, which is a big adventure score in the style of like Jerry Goldsmith or John Williams or Dave Grusin. Uh, it's like a swashbuckling 80s adventure with kids. And uh, so there's some really fun stuff. Um, Oh, Professor and the Madman. I did Professor and the Madman. That movie's out. Um, I think that's all of them. But anyway, they're all like super different. um, And they're scores that I think I'm really proud of. And they represent completely different sides of my personality. But um, yeah, I mean, it's been fun chatting about them. Godzilla's the big one. But there's some other fun, weird stuff out there that I've done that I'm excited about.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you so very much for coming on the show, Bear. It's been my pleasure.
1: Likewise, man. Thanks a lot.
0: You can find Bear on his website, com, where he writes many behind-the-scenes blog posts about his work. You can also follow him on Twitter at McCreary and facebook.com slash official. His upcoming scores, again, will be featured on Godzilla, King of the Monsters, Child's Play, the Netflix, Rim of the World, and The Professor and the Madman. Again, you are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My name is Marmar the Midboss, and this is Lag Radio.